Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Metal Brain Podcast. My name is Virgil, and I am a 24-year-old entrepreneur who is trying to make his way in this crazy world through my works of YouTube, heavy metal music, guitar, and any kind of tomfoolery that I see fit or fun at any time in any day, whenever. You know, I just like to make content. I like to make things and see what I can push myself to do. I love to try to make short films. I like to see how I can make short films that are only made by myself, getting different camera angles, all sorts of crazy stuff by myself. But I do love to work with other people in order to make some amazing things. And that even includes music, which is my main passion. It has been ever since I started playing guitar when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And um, this podcast has been an idea that I've had for a very, very, very long time. Um, it's something that I've wanted to get started and have just stumbled at every chance that I got to just start it. You know, the, the very first step is always the hardest, and that is just getting started. Now, this first episode is going to be solely myself speaking. I can talk about myself, um, what makes me tick. And just things that I like to do. I don't have a guest for this episode, but I do plan on having many, many, many guests on this podcast throughout its time on this earth. And um, the original idea for this Metal Brain podcast was to get people who are involved in the metal world, and meaning metal music. So it could be producers, mix engineers, um, guitar players, vocalists, drummers, bassists, keyboardists, anything you can think of that involves the metal world, I would include that. <clears throat> now, just like how any kind of genre of music has influences all over the place, metal does, and so I kind of figured that if there are people who are adjacent metal, meaning like buddies that I have from high school who may or may not in, enjoy rock music or metal music, but are somehow involved in music like hip-hop or blues or jazz or any kind of music, I feel like that's a good enough reason to bring people on because although I can bring just straight-up people in the metal world onto this podcast and discuss all things metal, which is great and an awesome idea, and I still will do that, um, that becomes a big echo chamber. And obviously, everybody's different, everybody's complex, and uh, everybody has different views. Some people might like certain metal bands or genres of metal, and I might not agree with them, and so that kind of causes a debate or something of the sort. But usually, if you're talking metal, it can become an echo chamber. So if I bring some people that I know, or maybe even that I don't know, just people that I meet through the industry of either through my uh, YouTube channel which is uh, called Sinister Bunny Studios, if you do not already know. That's my main YouTube page where I post all sorts of musical content. Um, but, man, I lost where I was going with that. If I bring in people that I don't know, through that I meet through the industry, that would be really cool too. You know, that's that's something that I think would be really interesting to do because not only do I learn about these people as I s speak to them on this podcast... Um, it's just another cool way to to broaden my horizons of knowledge and experiences, and it's a, it would be a cool way to meet cool, new, and interesting people. 
But I also do have a, a, a good amount of people that I went to school with that are trying to work their way through this world as well and are involved in either music or social media or video making or podcasting or anything um, that are just trying to be out there in this digital world. Um, and I would love to have great conversations with them as well. So don't think of the Metal Brain podcast as just a solely metal podcast. Just think of it as a podcast hosted by a metalhead who loves to talk to people, who loves learning crazy, cool things about different people. Now, if that's people who are into metal, great. If it's people who are not, great as well. I don't really care either way as long as I can talk to some interesting people. Now, I'll kind of talk about myself here for just a little bit. Um, like I said, my name is Virgil, um, which is already a very uncommon name as far as I can tell. I haven't met too many uh, Virgils out there outside of my family because I am technically the fourth Virgil. Um, so my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather um, through that uh, father's side of the family were all named Virgil. And that's pretty cool. Um, it definitely had its gripes with being made fun of and stuff, but luckily I had pretty thick skin and a lot of times people knew not to fuck with me. So, uh, it never really proved to be too much of an issue. Um, like I said, I'm a metalhead. I got into metal music through my father. Um, I remember back in the early days of carrying a CD player around with some really cheap Sony or Philips, um, over-the-ear headphones, not even over-the-ear that cup your ear, but over-the-ear where they just press against your ear. Um, and I was listening to mixed CDs of, like, Bubba Sparks and Fergie and all this crazy stuff that my dad thought I might like because of my mom. Um, however, I obviously turned very much towards the heavier side of music. And uh, after that became known to my parents... Um, my father fully embraced it. He was, uh, making mixed CDs, uh, for me. He was burning all these mixed CDs with all sorts of bands on there from Black Sabbath to Metallica, Led Zeppelin, you know, all the cool classic rock and metal bands that you would first get introduced to. And even into some darker stuff, um, the more and more he realized how much I was into it. Now, he loved that because he is a huge metalhead himself. My mother, on the other hand, was not a huge fan. She was, um, and I think still slightly is, um, although I think I've educated her a little bit on uh, many of these myths and stigmas that center around the metal genre of music. But she was the type that thought, you know, metal is satanic. Worshipping the devil, that's metal. Ozzy Osbourne it worships the devil. You know, that kind of stupid bullshit. Um... It was funny to me when I was a kid um, growing up with that because I, I, I don't think I was super rebellious. But when it came to that, you know, <clears throat> I thought it was really funny that my mom was uh, pretty disapproving of the music that I listened to. Now, she didn't try to get me to stop listening to it or tell me that I couldn't. Um, I don't think that was ever a thing that she would try to do. Um Maybe she did, and I just don't remember. I don't know. <clears throat> but, you know, I I do, I do. love metal music. It is my main chunk of music that I listen to. But I, I like almost anything 
but country in a lot of newer music. Um, there's a handful of songs that'll come out every once in a while that I'll hear um, that it, that are new that I will appreciate because they break the formula, um, break the stamp. Um, but other than that, most of it to me just I really could care less. Um, so, you know, when she would play some more hip-hop and R&B music in her car when she was taking my brother and I and my sister or our friends or whoever um, in her car to places, you know, I, I could bear the music. Unless she started just cranking country, that, that, that shit I just couldn't stand. Um, I can appreciate good music and uh, country just to me just doesn't do it for me. I can appreciate great players that are in uh, the country music genre. You know, really good guitar players, singers, all that kind of shit. You know, I can appreciate that. You know, I can appreciate the player, but the game, not so much. Um, old school country stuff like uh, Johnny Cash, if you count that as country. Country rock, rock, whatever. Um, I can do that. I like Johnny Cash. But uh, most country like... I kill my dog when my truck, like that kind of stuff without sounding offensive. Um, I just can't do it. I just really, really cannot do that. It just is not for me. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I remember in the early, early, early days of listening to heavy metal music um, in my dad's car and in the basement of the house that I grew up in because my dad had a section of the basement um, partitioned off. I mean, it already had a wall there, but it had two doorways um, that he would block off that he had his entire CD collection and stuff, and that he still does to this day, and he would just... Uh, he was a big audio guy. He he did car audio for a long time, and he just had all sorts of speakers and, and car amplifiers and, and, and amplifiers and all this crazy shit that had to do with the audio world, and he would listen to music down there. And so it'd be like super late nights. Maybe it was a weekend. We didn't have school. And I'd go down there and just sit and hang out with him while he's on the computer and listening to music. And I would fall asleep listening to whatever it was he was playing at the time. And it, it was all over the place um, back in those days. And even, even in the car, he was doing that kind of stuff. One of the earliest memories that I have of listening to like heavier more thrash metal music was in my dad's Tahoe where we were driving somewhere I don't remember where I know I was fairly young but uh, he always for the longest time in this Tahoe because he didn't have like a center uh, console between the the driver and passenger seat he had made like a just like a wooden box that he made and put there that he would put like CDs and all, all anything that he needed just to kind of reach to. He'd put it all in that box and he was playing this music and I was like, man, this, this sounds really cool. I really like what this is. What is this? <clears throat> and uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I reached into the box and I grabbed a CD and, and, and lo and behold, this was the Megadeth peace cells um album and at that point it was it, it was smooth sailing from there with metal music uh megadeth became a huge idol for me um especially in the early days of my heavy metal um christening and uh especially when i started playing guitar uh i was drilling megadeth constantly and i still love megadeth 
Um, I don't want to start a war, but you know, there's always those people that are like, Metallica's better, Megadeth is better, or both are really good. I'm kind of on that, on the, 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 the last one, like both, I love both. Metallica and Megadeth, they're just both amazing bands. I personally favor Megadeth, and I always have. It's just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I've come to realize later in life that um, I, th- I feel like I like Megadeth a bit more because they got a little more progressive in terms of the musicality in the stuff that they made um, as opposed to Metallica. And so I think that's partly why I did that. But I just, I think at that time I really resonated with the Megadeth music. It wasn't so, you know, mainstream, if that makes sense, because you know, I was born in 1997, you know, Metallica had been around for a while at that point, 12 years or something like that. They had been around already and, uh, they had gotten pretty freaking popular at that point. And, you know, I wasn't the first person to listen to, uh, Metallica. And I think because they were kind of that mainstream, oh, Metallica is the biggest metal band in the world kind of thing. I just was like, nah, I'm good. I'll listen to the more lesser known, even though they're not lesser known, but I'm like, I just, Metallica was at this high place that I didn't even want to try to reach to because everybody else and their brother was reach, were reaching up to Metallica. And so I wanted to be a little bit different and reached for Megadeth. And I just, I, I think the way that Dave Mustaine, who uh, is the lead singer and uh, rhythm guitar player with some lead guitar playing in there as well, uh, front man of Megadeth, you know, and, uh, you know, I got obsessed with him for a while, like I said before, Megadeth became a huge idol for me, and Dave Mustaine specifically became a huge idol for me, and I just was constantly singing Megadeth music to myself, and part of me wishes I hadn't done that, because I think a lot of my vocal skills, uh, suffered because of that not necessarily because I was hurting myself but because I wasn't practicing actual good vocals it was just more like the gritty you know Dave Mustaine vocal and uh if I would have been practicing actual singing I feel like I'd be much better off today with my vocal skills which are not crazy good but I can pass um I'm still working on it though but he was so much of an idol to me, and even still is, um, that once I picked up my first guitar, which was probably when I was around 12 or 13 years old, I uh, somehow got a hold of this really old acoustic guitar, and I can't remember if we were cleaning out the attic, or if you call it an attic, at, at my dad's house, with my dad's house now, but the house that I grew up in, or like a family member's house or something. It was a really old acoustic guitar. It was a piece of shit. But at that point I had gotten so much into music that I was like, you know, this is definitely something that I want to pursue. I want to learn how to play all of these songs that I hear. It would just be really cool to be able to play that. And, you know, like, like I said before, later in life, I realized more of why I did that. And a lot of it was to connect with my father and, and um, try to make him proud by impressing him. Like, hey, look, I could play Peace Cells on a guitar. Because, you know, he would think that's that's really cool. Um, and it got to the point where, 
for my birthday one year, I think it was <clears throat> my birthday when I was 12 or 13. I think that's the, the number I'm remembering is that birthday um, that I got my first actual electric guitar. You know, the cheap like Stratocaster knockoff kind of guitar, $80 um, starter guitar with a little uh, PV Bandit <clears throat> uh, combo amplifier and a case and you know it had a whammy bar on it <clears throat> and all the all the fixings that you could want on a starting uh, start out guitar and uh, man I drilled that thing into the ground and uh, once they got me that I was off on a journey <clears throat> that has taken me to where I am today um, and still continues to take me on a weird on a weird crazy and ever so changing journey um where i'm constantly doing crazy stuff with my guitar and trying to make my way through this world with my music on my guitar and in and, and my voice and, and and any kind of production that i can do by making music <clears throat> but getting back to what i was saying about megadeth and dave mustaine <clears throat> i uh i idolize them so much that it wasn't too long after I got that first electric guitar and I had been really just showing my parents that this was something that I was going to stick with and that I was going to really take it seriously because a lot of kids can get a guitar because it seems cool in the moment and then they get it and then they just set it in their room and never touch it again. They'll touch it every once in a while, but they never really take it seriously and try to learn it. I was not that. I was determined to learn this instrument <clears throat> and what I could do with it <clears throat> so I can impress my dad and I guess myself. Um, but it didn't take too long after all of that, all of my hours of practicing after school and after football or wrestling practice or drum line or whatever it was I was doing, I was playing guitar at home six, seven hours uh, until I had to go to bed. And uh, <clears throat> I remember my dad had told my brother and I that he was getting like a bonus from work um, for I, I can't remember it was like a, it was like a, a profit share bonus or something and uh, he was gonna get get us gifts he, he wanted to um, kind of spoil us a little bit and and, and and spread the wealth right and I think uh, my brother wanted some video games, and he got a handful of video games. Um, and one of them might have been that Star Wars The Force Unleashed game. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Um, if I ever get my brother on this podcast, then I'll have to ask him if he remembers that. But he would be a couple years younger than I was at that point, so he might not even remember. Um, but he got a couple games, and if you know the video game world, they were new games. So they're like 60 bucks a piece, which is not cheap. And so that was his, that was his, uh, gift from my dad because he got this profit share bonus and somehow we got to the, to the decision that I wanted a new guitar. I don't remember if I ha already had it in my head, like, dad, I want a new guitar. That That's what I want. Can we give me a new guitar? Or if he had already had it in mind or, or I don't remember exactly how it worked out, but we went to a local, um, instrument store uh, that had a wide range of guitars and is still open to this day and uh, there was a Dean 
Dave Mustaine's signature V-shaped guitar. The VMNTX in black. And uh, I remember <clears throat> when we went and checked it out, I was like, holy shit. I need this thing and I need to take it home today. And uh, I believe it was used. I still have the freaking guitar. It's 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 put away right now, but I still have the damn thing. Um, and I was able to convince him, like, yes, I want that guitar. It's a Dave Mustaine guitar. It's metal as all hell because it's a V. It looks like a freaking weapon. <clears throat> and, you know, <clears throat> when you have tools that you love using, you'll use them more. <clears throat> and that was so much the case. Um, I most definitely was let's do this let's 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 get this guitar let's do it i am ready to go so we were able to work it out to get this guitar and uh, i believe it needed some work done on it before they wanted to let me take it home like it needed some fret work they probably set up the action on it you know i'm st i was still like a fairly beginner guitar player and uh, they just did all the fixings that were needed for this used guitar got it all play ready for me and I, I think it was a little extra a little extra money for that I think all in all my my dad paid three or four hundred dollars and that included like the 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 work that needed to be done um, on the guitar itself which I, I mainly think was some fret work uh, but it was it was a huge thing because I was so excited. I was so like thankful that my dad did that, and you know, even to this day, you know, I'm extremely thankful that he did that because that skyrocketed my deep dive into guitar and making my own music. And you know, boy oh boy, did they think I played that first electric guitar a shit ton. This Dave Mustaine guitar got played two or three times as much, and. I used and abused that guitar so much. I was constantly playing all sorts of stuff. Megadeth, obviously. Metallica. Anthrax. You know, the typical, like, slow ride. Um, what else? Let's see. Smoke on the Water. Sweet Child of Mine. Black Sabbath with, like, Iron Man and Paranoid. Electric Funeral. All sorts of... Just classic rock, classic metal riffs. Dio, Holy Diver, Judas Priest, Painkiller, all that kind of stuff. And I was drilling it all the goddamn time. And I'm glad that I did. <clears throat> I am so glad that I did. Because I eventually started to take my guitar to school a little bit. I uh, In 7th or 8th grade, at the middle school that I went to... Um, joined the jazz band. Because I was, in, I was a band kid... Um, as a percussionist, um, I started a band in fifth grade because they made you do something back then. It was either orchestra, choir, or band, and uh, I chose band to, to play percussion. And back then, you didn't get to really play any kind of drums. You um, played a bell kit, which is a very annoying thing for a kid to be playing because it's very loud. It's ear-piercing, and, you know, we're not very good at that point, so it just really sounds like shit. But uh, I had to carry that thing around, and when I was walking home from school, the thing had wheels. It was like a piece of luggage that I carried with me everywhere. That whole whole or ordeal. But um, 
I joined the jazz band because the the band teacher that I had from basically fifth grade all the way through high school, which was really awesome. And I, you know, a lot of us students that had him got to know him really, 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 really well. And, you know, I'm still friends with him on Facebook and all that kind of shit. And he's just, he's a really, really, really awesome, um, guy, a really, really awesome teacher. And, you know, I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for him either, because he helped me to, nourish this love of music and I'll explain that a little more in a little bit but I joined the jazz band in like seventh or eighth grade and this was after school so I'd go to school all day and then after school in the band room at the middle school we would have jazz band and I was playing guitar for the jazz band um, not percussion I can't really play a drum set for shit I can do a couple simple drum patterns and that's really about it um When it came to marching band and stuff in high school with drumline, I played the quad toms or the tenors. So if you know what that is, you know you can see what I could have done and what I could do. Um, if you don't know what they are, just look them up. But uh, after school for like, I don't know, 50 minutes, I think it was, we, we would do this jazz band stuff and we would play at the band concerts and stuff like that. And so that helped me kind of learn a little bit more about guitar. There was uh, another guitar player there that... Um, you know, was into kind of the rock and metal stuff a little bit as well, and we would kind of jam back and forth quite a bit, um, up until a certain point, which, you know, I'm not going to hate on the guy, he's a good guy and everything, but there was a point where, you know, after jazz band would get over, we would kind of like riff back and forth with each other, play off of each other, we'd have kind of like a guitar battle, and, uh, I remember there was one day that jazz band got done and this other guitar player had already packed up and like started to head home. And my, my band teacher, he, uh, he pulls me into his office, you know, Hey Virgil, can can you go to my office? I got to talk to you. I was like, okay, weird. What's this about? And you know, he, he has me come in the office. He closes the door. He goes, listen, He's like, you know, I think it's really awesome that you and the other guitar player, I'm not going to name him, uh, but I think it's really cool that you and this other guitar player um, play similar music and you guys like to kind of guitar battle and do this little back and forth thing. Um, But could you maybe tone it down a little bit or just kind of be a little less like aggressive about it? Um, And I was like really confused. I'm like, why? He goes, well, the other guitar player's mom or something contacted him and said that he didn't like the competition. And, uh, you know, I was like, huh, that's really weird. And even my band teacher was like, yeah, man, I know. Like, I'm sorry. I get it. Like, it's really stupid. But, you know, I, you know, I have a job to do. And, you know, and I, so I understood but it was just kind of one of those things that I was like, wow, really? Like, you're, you're you're really upset about competition. And, you know, you know, it's just, that's just a really off-tangent side story about it. I just thought it was notable because it had to do with the jazz band stuff. But it was really, just a really weird experience to have as, like, a middle school kid, you know, having your teacher tell you that because somebody was, like, a poor sport, basically. Uh, 
you know, not that I was saying like I was any fantastic guitar player because I literally sucked ass back then, but maybe I was just a bit ahead of this other guy in terms of skill and whatnot. But, you know, the past is the past. Like I said, this guy's a cool guy. He's a, he's a decent guitar player. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't wish anything bad upon him. You know, past is the past. It is what it is. We were kids. No harm done. But, uh, I did the jazz band and, uh, eventually just that didn't really, that didn't really sit well with me anymore because I started getting into sports a little bit more. I started, um, wrestling in in middle school. And so, you know, the whole jazz band thing pretty much stopped. And I think also at one point it got switched to zero hour, which was before school. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm not getting up before school to do that. So I quit that, um, and there, there was an overlap between wrestling and the jazz band stuff because there was one point where a buddy of mine named Zach, uh, we were both on the wrestling team and uh, we were both in the jazz band and he played, uh, he played a horn. I can't remember what it was, a like trumpet or something maybe or trombone or I don't remember. But we would walk from the middle school to the high school, which wasn't very far. They're pretty close to each other, but we would walk after jazz band practice after school, uh, across to the high school and go to the high school wrestling practices and, and, and wrestle around and stuff with, with the high school team and all that. And uh, eventually I just stopped the jazz band stuff. Uh, I got way more into sports at that point and I did wrestling all the way from seventh grade through high school. And then I did a couple years of football in high school and, uh, that took up quite a big chunk of time, but I still stuck with the music. I still stuck with band because I was on drumline all the way through high school as well. And uh, it was really fun. It really helped me shape my musical identity. Even though it's not fully sculpted yet, it helped me to sh- get the foundation started. And like I said earlier, it if it wasn't for having this awesome, amazing band teacher that I had that probably wouldn't have gone as far as it did. Because let me tell you, he goes down as the absolute best teacher I've ever had in my life. I've had a lot of really good teachers, but I had him from fifth grade all the way through high school. He's just a really awesome guy. He does all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, Really, really, really smart guy, really intelligent about music. And um, he really, like I said before, helped me to nourish my love of music and more of the technical stuff because there are times where I got bored with what we were doing in band because it was all simple. Hot cross buns, hot cross buns, Mary had a little lamb, like all that stupid shit. And we'd play the same cadences. Uh, We'd play all the same chorales. We'd play all the same like scale patterns, like all the same stuff. It just got so old because it never really changed. The only thing that really changed were the pieces of music music that we would rehearse to play for the concerts. And even then, some of that stuff got recycled. Um, but, you know, I'd, go, I'd, I'd ask him even in class or after class or before class, just these extra questions about music theory that I wanted to learn. I was asking about modes and chords and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I would always ask him, like, come on, can't we, like, dive into deeper stuff but he always had to remind me like you know not everybody has the understanding or the 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 drive or passion to learn this stuff and he's got to follow a certain curriculum for the school and yada 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 
So that always bummed me out, but he was, he never turned me away for asking more complex or more complicated questions about music theory. And I thought that was the most awesome, awesome thing in the world for somebody like me who can talk on for hours about music and, and who loves to learn, especially when it comes to music theory and stuff like that, you know, that could come off as really annoying. And he didn't ever make me feel like I couldn't ask him a question. And I, I am entirely grateful to him for that. You know, it, it's very rare that you find a teacher of his level and of his person very often. You, you, you just don't find those kinds of people with that kind of passion and, and love for teaching kids music. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's shaped who I am. And I can't really thank him enough for that. Uh, you know, we, we used to do these uh, side project things for band where it was, it, it kind of took place of like an exam in a way or like a, like a final project kind of thing because, yeah, we would have tests where we'd have like some slight music theory tests with like, fill in the notes for the scale or play the scale where we'd have to go into a practice room where he had a video camera set up for us to play uh, a scale or two, which really only consisted of major natural minor and melodic minor. That's pretty much the only, th and, and I think we did a little bit of harmonic minor maybe, but that was, all, those were like the, the, the little, uh, little four scales that we really played for all of those years. And, uh, you know, we'd go into this room, there's like a old digital flip out camera set up and, uh, like a camcorder camera and, uh, you turn it on, you'd hit record and you would play your scale patterns, your scales, um, a certain piece of music that he would give like, all right, percussion, you need to play, um, this piece of music from bar 16 to bar 32 or, you know, and he'd give a different piece to different sections of the band just depending on the 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 complexity of the piece and and the sections and the parts and then maybe there'd be a sight reading piece or two or something you know it was just another way to for him to know that we were practicing at home and in understanding what we were trying to learn and on top of that there was every once in a while this thing that we had to do called outside experience and he was very flexible with what you could do for this you could write an essay about a composer or a piece of music. You could uh, uh, write a piece of music, which I usually did. Or you could um, just anything creative that involved putting time and effort into something involving music. He usually would let you do. And most of the time, it, it was me writing a piece of music and then playing it or ha having it recorded once I started getting into the whole recording side of music. And... Uh, God, I wish I could find those emails and stuff where I, I used to send those pieces to him of music that I made, especially when I started recording, um, and just to see his reactions. Because I remember there was one time for this outside experience thing where I, I think it was like this, one of the very first like thrash style songs that I wrote, although very simplistic in the genre, it was still something that I made. I had bought a cheap $20 on clearance uh, dynamic microphone from Guitar Center and I had a, a cheap XLR to USB cable that I would pl 
plug this microphone into my laptop and run it through Audacity and I would attempt to mic up my guitar cabinet at the time, which obviously I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I was still attempting to record myself playing. And I wrote this piece that was like a short two or three minute thrash metal instrumental song. And I had this program at the time, I I believe it was called Hydrogen, which was like a drum machine um, for the drums. And you could export out the audio of the drums. So I did that and exported it into Audacity. And then I would play my guitar. I believe I would switch it to a clean setting on my amp. And I would play my guitar as the bass part and use Audacity to drop that part down an octave to take the place of a bass guitar. And then I would go through and play my guitar parts. And uh, I still have that piece somewhere in my files on one of my hard drives. I have that piece, the first couple pieces that I ever tried to record. And... uh, Anyway, I remember sending that to him for an outside experience project for band for a grade. And I got an email response back or whatever system we used to get feedback on that kind of stuff. Maybe it was through the school, some school program thing that they had set up. Or maybe it was just straight up email, I don't remember. But uh, it was an amazing response. He, uh, He said something along the lines of, Great work, Virgil. This was a face-melting piece of music. You know, like that kind of thing. He, he, even though it was just a terrible song, like, I mean, the playing was okay. My timing was okay. And just the, the, the structure of the song was terrible. The riffs weren't very original. It was very simplistic, but it, it was something that I made. And he was so cool enough to say that sort of thing to a kid a kid in high school who's already an outcast because he listens to metal music in a world of hip hop and rap. And he would just say shit like that. Like, like that was a face melting song. Awesome work, you know? And I just, that made me feel great about myself and it really gave me encouragement to continue what I'm doing. And I think a lot of my drive to make music, not only is for it, an outlet for my emotional expression or creative expression, but it's also a, a, um, funnel for me to seek validation from people, which is in turn, honestly a bad thing. Um, but I think that is always there. And that also kind of comes from making videos like I do on YouTube and whatnot, that, that, that need for validation is always there. And, you know, we could go on and on about where that comes from, like childhood trauma and all that stupid shit, but not that it's stupid if you have childhood trauma, but like for me, I just, I just, it it just seems pointless and seems kind of moot at this point. But, um, that need for validation is always there. And that kind of response to something shitty that I made back in the day filled that need for validation. And it kept me going so that I did more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to play more. I wanted to record more. I wanted to create more. And, you know, there were also times with my dad. Like I said before, I was learning guitar parts and songs like Megadeth songs and Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer and stuff. Because I wanted to show my dad and impress him. 
and you know I would always show him stuff, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool, buddy," and and you know that was always great. And I remember this one specific time where, um, I was in my room, which was really a room that my brother and I shared, and it was tiny. I mean, it's really tiny. And we shared this room. We had two beds in there and a desk with a computer and a TV. And I had like my my uh, little PV combo amplifier and my guitar and stuff. And I was learning um, Set the World Afire um, by Megadeth. Um, and he uh, he was in the room one day. And I was sitting on the bed and I was like, Dad, look, I could play this. And... Uh, He's like, okay, buddy, show me. And I, and I started to play along with the song, like, through the stereo, you know, and... That whole part in that song... Like, I had a very you know, sloppy version of it, but I was still playing it. And my dad was like genuinely impressed. He was like, wow, buddy, you could, you actually played it. Like, you know, he's like, wow. Like he didn't expect me to be able to play that part. And then I did. And he was like, whoa, wow, buddy, that was really good. And that kind of shit made me feel really good about what I was doing. And again, it kept me going. It kept that drive, that passion to learn more, to play more, to practice, to get good, to play these cool things, to show to people, to get that validation. And now, I'm here doing all sorts of crazy shit online with, I guess, the same underlying goal in mind. Not that seeking validation is my main reason for doing things, but like I said, that is always under the surface. I don't think that'll ever go away. I'll never be satisfied, and I'll always need some kind of validation from people. Who knows, maybe I'll come to a point in my life where I'll have this epiphany, like, I don't fucking need validation from other people, fuck that, and then just completely forget that need, but until that day, the need is there. But, uh, it, it got crazy to the point, my, my passion for music, that I set my goal in high school, I was like, I want to do music for the rest of my life, I need, I knew I needed to go to college. At the time, I thought that I needed to go to college. Now, you can argue whether or not college is worth it these days because it's it, it's a crock of shit and it's a scam and it's all about money and not necessarily education. That's why all of us are in so much student debt and, you know, they nickel and dime you for everything possible. And that's why the cost of college is so goddamn expensive. But that's a conversation for another time. I, I knew that I had to go to college for something. And I was like, man, I need to get into somewhere for music so that I can continue this passion. And I found Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. One of the top music colleges in the nation. I was like, I'm going to get in there. And I set my goals. And I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. When it came time to apply to colleges, I applied to all sorts of places and I applied to Berkeley, which... Holy shit, of all colleges that I ever applied to was the most expensive application fee because you basically pay these colleges to apply to them, which again is just another way for them to get money from you. But most of them were like, oh, it's a, it's a, 
$25 application fee. No, no, no. Berkeley, I shit you not, was a $150 application fee, which my parents did pay, I believe. Didn't really come out of my pocket, but that is a goddamn expensive cost just to apply to see if you can get in. But, you know, the application process is a little bit different for, like, a music or, or a performing arts school like Berkeley. But still, <laughs> that's mm, scammy, mm, maybe just a little bit. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, I got accepted and continued through the application process where they set up an audition and an interview with you. And obviously, I couldn't just go to Boston to do this audition, so I did it online as like a video conference thing, and uh, that was a whole experience that I can talk about in another episode, um, but uh, I set up this audition, and I was still in high school, and I remember the day like it was yesterday, I left school early, I had a conversation with my band teacher before I left. You know, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so goddamn nervous. Like, I, I hope I get all this right. Can you help me with some, like, quiz me on some of this stuff so I know I got it down? And, you know, I again, I had been pre- preparing for the last year or two before this even happened. So it was a long process getting ready. And uh, at that point, I had gotten into more complex and progressive music with bands like Dream Theater. Um which if you know Berkeley, you know Dream Theater stuff, if you know that history, but uh, that more progressive metal style of music, more complex ideas, more weird things with time signatures and polyrhythms and modes and all sorts of crazy uh, compositional ideas that aren't as simplistic as other genres of music. And, you know, I had a conversation with my band teacher and he, you know, told me good luck. He's like, you know, you got this, just don't, don't be nervous you're really good at this, you know, you got the stuff down, just don't, just go in there and do it, I was like, okay, yeah, and I left school early for this audition, I went into, at that point, my, my sister's old room, because I had gotten out of the room that my brother and I shared, because it was too goddamn small, and my sister had moved out, and so, I was in my room, and getting ready for this audition, I, was warming up and practicing and I was in this waiting room, this like virtual waiting room and I had a certain time that I was going to perform at and they basically had a message that popped in. It was like, Virgil, you know, we're running a bit ahead. Are you ready early? And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't know what to do. So I didn't answer for a minute just so I could finish getting warmed up and then I was like, okay, yeah, sure. We got into it, did the whole audition thing and... Then there was an interview afterwards, just more of like a one-on-one personal interview type of thing. And then they were like, all right, cool, we'll let you know. And that was that. And at the time, I had been trying to make this weird YouTube channel with my buddy, Daniel. And I have like a video or two of that day where like it was before the audition of myself. Like, hey guys, I'm really nervous about this. I'm about to do this. I'm going to slam it though. I'm going to ace it, do everything the right way. And then another video like of after like, whoo, that's done with. I'm so glad that's over with. Now I can move on with my life and whoo, and I'll have to find those. But uh, it was one of the most nervous moments in my entire life. This barrier 
for me to continue doing this passion of music into more professional college levels of music was like this audition where I had to play music. I had to recite music theory, sight reading, performance, all this crazy shit. And that, like I said, they're like, all right, we'll let you know. And I think it was like a month or two later. I think I, I knew in April of that year, the decision of if I got in or not. I don't remember when my actual audition was. Um, I believe it was on the 13th of a month, but I don't remember what month. But got to that time, I got an email, and I have it archived. You know, uh, we, Berkeley, from Berkeley College of Music, we have reviewed your application and your performance and your audition and interview, and it is with our great satisfaction that we can offer you admission to Berkeley College of Music. Raw! Like, I, I went fucking crazy. Like, I was so goddamn excited. Like, I was like, holy shit. Like, I think the first person I told was my girlfriend, and, like, I was like... I fucking got in. I got in. Because they don't just let everybody in. I don't know what the numbers are, but I think when when I was looking at it before, it was like they only let like a thousand people in or something every semester or year or whatever. Something like that. It's it's not like just, oh, everybody come in. Like you, you got to meet certain criteria to be able to get in. Now, how, how strict are they on that? I'm not sure, but it's... It's a fairly prestigious school, and, and you know you got to have some potential to be able to get in. And I was one of those people. Uh, it it got to the point where my dad actually drove uh, my brother and I down to Boston from Michigan uh, to go look at the campus and just see what it was like and everything. Um, and that was a really cool experience. And and I, I've told him many a times. Uh, I love my dad for that. That was like an amazing experience and it helped kind of reconcile the fact that I was not going to go to Berkeley because the cost was way too extreme and I don't come from money. I'm, I I was stuck in that middle ground of middle classness where I was not poor enough to get a whole lot of financial aid that would help me and I was not rich enough to not have to worry about money. And so if you're in that same spot, you know what I'm talking about. You don't get jack shit for financial aid. It's this middle ground, no man's land bullshit thing that if you're in it and you're struggling because of it, I I feel for you to the umpth degree. It's a shitty place to be in. But that's the position that I was in. I couldn't afford the tuition for Berkeley and they weren't offering me like a full ride or anything like that. Although they did offer me some kind of scholarship, but it, it, it didn't make a dent. And, you know, I didn't go. I didn't go to Berkeley. But the fact that I got in and was accepted was enough for me to go, you know what? I don't have to go to college to continue music. I can do music without Berkeley. I don't, I don't need Berkeley to do music. I can do music on my own. It's not going to stop me from doing music. And thus... I continued music. I, I, I worked on my, my, my technical skills, my songwriting skills. I had a couple of different bands that I played in and played some shows and stuff and uh, with, a, with a high school and all that. 
and I started getting into recording myself and that whole thing. And now it brings me to where I am today, um, where I've got this decent enough following on the internet where I make crazy videos about guitar and metal music and I record original music and metal covers and all this crazy shit that I don't think I would be doing if it weren't for my dad, my band teacher, and everything that I've talked about in this podcast today. Um, so I hope that this first episode of story time with Virgil <laughs> uh, gives you a bit of an idea of myself and it gives you a little glimpse into my life and who I am and what makes me drive what makes me tick uh, I got so much more to talk about I I know there's going to be episodes with this podcast where I'm going to be talking to just you guys by myself but I would like to get guests as much as possible to be able to throw these ideas off of and, and, and relate experiences to. But obviously, I can't always have a guest. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But in those times, I can have story times just like today to give you guys a more personal uh, glimpse into my life. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this. If this is something and if I'm something that you'd be interesting interested in hearing more about, and hearing my interactions with other people that I do or don't know, talking about music, and really I don't want to talk about politics, but music, life, college, relationships, video making, influencers, YouTube, social media, all sorts of crazy shit, then stick around because this is going to be a fun ride. This is going to be a very fun podcast. I'm going to have some really cool people on here. And you know what? I think you're going to enjoy yourself just a little bit. Thank you guys so much for listening to my first ever episode of the Metal Brain Podcast. Uh, hopefully, I can figure out some more sound effecty type stuff for this podcast. Maybe I'll write some music for intro and outro on here. Um, so if that's on there already cool if not just know that it's coming soon i have to work out the logistics of distributing this podcast out um i think i'm going to go through anchor just to see uh, how that'll work if not i'll find a different way um if not i'll just post this shit onto youtube and turn it into a video form podcast otherwise you know i just about jumped into my youtube uh, send off quote of hey, well thank you guys so much for liking commenting and subscribing and i'll see you in the next video but that's not where we are Thank you so much for listening. If you've listened into this podcast, uh, please do stick around and follow this podcast wherever you can. Share it around with your friends if you want to hear more about my life and my interactions with all sorts of different people. And uh, until next time, you guys, stay metal.